boys. It's the Chinese Lunar New Year, baby! Uh-huh. Okay. Let's get it. Ooh. Schnasty. Schnasty. So fucking bop. We're talking... We're talking our favorite Chinese films. A top ten. That's so many movies. It's... It, probably 20. Maybe... Mentini if we cross over a little bit. It's probably 20. <laughs> it's definitely 20. Uh, well, David, as they say... Ni hao, ni long, jian, kuai le. Hello, happy Lunar New Year. I probably didn't say that right. Oof. This is, how long is this? Oh, oh. And a hard Jesus. Yoda death scream from Lego Star Wars to cut it off. Is that? The way to honor Chinese tradition. <laughs> that, that, yep. Traditionally. Yep. But David. It's a wonderful time. It is the year of the ox. It's 2021. It's the year of the ox. Um, this year, we started on February 15th. We're ending on February 26th, baby. This episode's right in time for Lunar New Year to be done. But not, it's not fully over. So, you know, eat shit. Wow. Yeah. We're good. We're professional. We're good at this. Definitely. Ethan, Definitely. before we get in, let's... Let's let the people know who they're talking to. Do you know what um, what your zodiac sign is? Yeah. What are you? I don't want to dox myself, David. <laughs> Getty. Oh, that's the hard <laughs> dox right there. Ethan, what's your address? <laughs> really quickly, uh, in social, if you don't mind, mother's maiden name. Uh, yeah, no, I'll go into it real quick. Um, so, uh, I, well, I'm gonna say it, and I just really hope that the theme song for the show doesn't like cover it, so that we do hear my full social security number. I my social security number theme is nine five two seven seven. From deep within the great lakes of the internet live Two men buried under bad movies and popcorn Try their best to survive But how long could that possibly last? Find out as you join Ethan and David In this episode of Feature Cast We have a theme song? I totally forgot about a theme song I feel like we've recorded so frequently Without a fucking theme song And it's actually a banger too 92. There we go. That's my full <laughs> license plate number as well. So now we're pretty much covered. Nice. That was uh, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> Ethan, uh, we're talking about some Chinese films to celebrate true, the Chinese true. New Year. Um, I'm a Cancer, by the way. <laughs> yeah, nice. I'm a Taurus. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Well, I'm also a, I believe I'm a, I'm a, Water rooster, I think. My Chinese zodiac mm -hmm. is not a cancer. Well, I that's yep. I kind of assume that I'm a tiger. Are you interesting? Yeah, you're the tiger, baby. Nice, 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 Rawr. nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, hit him with a little. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what do you think about that? I don't... What if I hit... What if I hit you... What if I... Get the fangs out. Get the claws out. Get the paws one out. One more. Give me one more. <laughs> that sounds like a kitten. <laughs> oh, Ethan. But David, we're not talking about tigers. We're talking about rats. We're not talking about... Uh, Are you inferring I was a rat? <laughs> Kind of, a little bit. You kind of act like uh, it. You kind of look like honestly, it. Honestly, like we'll one. be getting to rats it later. It is the year of the what? <laughs> we'll get to rats later. It's the year of the what? ox. We are talking all oh, things Oh, look at the time. Ox. It's the year of the ox? We're talking about big, fluffy, sometimes fluffy, um, thick. We're talking about thick. Thick, juicy, a real chunker. <laughs> With the big old horns. Um, ox. Nice ox. Nice, nice little ox. Whoa. My socks. <laughs> yep. Um, so before we dive into our thick, but not too flaccid. <laughs> before Jesus. Before, yep. Before that's a nice ox. Before we dive into <laughs> our top ten Chinese films, which let me tell you, was a real fun list Bangers. to put together because I don't know about you, I ended up watching about ten Chinese films. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, not quite, but close. Uh, hey, David, random question. What's your favorite movie that features an ox in it? I know it's the year of the ox, but it's unrelated question. So I was actually between two films for this choice. The first one didn't feel really right picking, so I went with the second one, which is The Biggest Little Farm, which features a real live ox. Really cute ox, too. Wow. Um, it's an awesome little film about the biggest little farm and its journey to become said farm. Also, just Apricot Farm. It's a real farm in California. So, you know, you can probably buy just produce kinda, from it. Yeah. You know, I've seen that, too, and it just feels like not a lot of ox screen time or impact it's, on the movie. Well, no, no, no. As you'll watch as the movie, every animal that's on that farm plays an integral part to the ecosystem that is that farm. So actually, the ox. He doesn't. He doesn't really kind of. He doesn't. He doesn't. The ox. He doesn't really fuck shit up though. Like he doesn't really like go crazy. Right, my other pick was Zootopia. You know I mean? My other pick was Zootopia. Idris Elba does the voice of the ox. That would have been a good pick too. That ox. Idris Elba voices. Yalikatu, baby, <laughs> is my pick. It's the Indian film where an ox just goes fucking buck wild, wrecks shop, has a baller ass time. It's great. 10 out of 10. To be clear, I don't think it's actually a 10 out of 10 film, and I don't actually think you get a 10 out of 10 film um, rating. Um, but It's a 10 out of 10 if we're talking about how good the ox is. True. If you're rating just the quality of oxness in the film, definitely a 10 out of 10. Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. David, give me. Some Chinese movies. <laughs> That's our transition to the top ten Chinese films. I guess so. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is going to be... Give me your top ten. My... What's your number ten, baby? My number ten is John Woo's A Better Tomorrow. I felt like this is semi-equivalent to Scorsese's The Irishman, where this... Fi- <laughs> It's it's really weird if you've seen both because you'll super long. Well, no, it's actually no, it's ninety five minutes. Um, whereas this film deals with the effects of aging as a gangster, right? So you have two uh, gangsters in the film, played by uh, Chow Young Fat and um, shit, who's the other one? I actually don't know who the other person. I think it might be Lung T. Um, and both of these in the intro of the movie are like in their prime of like being forgers and certain things happen, uh, sending them both into certain areas. And then you pick back up with them several years later and, um, not quite in the prime of their time anymore and how they deal with that still trying to exist in the gangster underworld lifestyle. It's really interesting. And it's also just got the pizzazz of a John Woo film, uh, which we will talk about later. Ethan, give me that number 10. Number 10, I am starting off. What's going on over there? Oh, God. Is that real? You're the ox, more like a bull in a china shop. Frick. (laughs) What the fuck is happening? I just moved it. Oh, you good? (laughs) Are you good? You need a minute? David, what's your favorite sport? My favorite sport? I mm-hmm. I really like soccer to, or volleyball. Fuck, I knew your pick. God damn it. <laughs> I think volleyball sucks shit. I think you play volleyball, you're a goddamn imbecile. Oh a real dumpster baby. And if you play soccer, <laughs> doubly so. Because there's only one way to play soccer, David. And it's the only way to make it the best sport of all time. David, I'm talking about Kung Fu Soccer. I'm talking about Shaolin Soccer, baby. Shaolin? No. Jesus Christ. Shaolin Soccer. I'm talking about Shaolin Soccer, baby. That better stay in. The 2000... (laughs) Fuck you. The 2001 Stephen Chow banger. All right? This film is so goddamn funny. It is an absolute thrill ride. You're going to be busting a gut watching this movie. It's so much fun, David. Have you seen this? I have not, but I saw his, I believe his follow-up film, uh, Kung Fu Hustle. And Mm. to be honest, the type of humor is just not really up my alley. But I respect it. I respect that you like it. They kick a soccer ball so hard that it catches on fire and turns into a flaming tiger. 
Yep. That's that's that that sounds like There's a line in there's a line in this movie where one person turns to another and says, How'd they do that? And they respond, It must be special effects. <laughs> Alright, that's a good bit. It, that's a the, good bit. The slapstick is so choice. And it's just so over the top to like the perfect degree where it's just it's so much fun. The final showdown where they're literally facing a pure evil demon team is one of the greatest sports moments in history. Is it basically Space Jam? No. Oh. Is Michael Jordan in this film? No. Mm, interesting. <laughs> it's so insane, though. I don't feel like we it's, can transition from Shaolin Soccer to my film. It's such a weird transition. So... My number nine pick is definitely going to be the most recent film on either of our lists. Um, came out last year, and that is the documentary 76 Days, which uh, covers the first 76 days of the uh, COVID uh, pandemic in Wuhan and the response by the medical staff in, uh, I forget this particular name of the hospital. Um, this is a very, uh, raw and intimate look at the insides of a hospital, uh, dealing with this at a very severe and high, uh, intensity level. Um, it, it, it's lower on the list, maybe because I just watched it too close to the actual events. I'm not actually being in Wuhan, but like the actual events of the uh, COVID mm. pandemic. Where well, I, I don't know think... why you had to fly to Wuhan to watch it. <laughs> Shut up. Um, I think this in several years will will really be something else to watch. Um, just, I think it's just, I, I think just catching it too soon is just, it, it. it's a little, I don't know, a little sensitive still to, to see it so, so soon after I mean, I don't even know. They, they, they must have filmed this and just, like, shot it out so quickly. This must have been, like, the fastest post-production ever. Um, there's also a few parts that, n- not narratively, but just felt a little weird. I don't know. Still very, very good. Some very, very intense moments. Some very, very heartbreaking moments. Uh, it's a g- great film. Great documentary. Great poster, too. Fuck. Top-notch poster. Ethan. Hello. Give me that number nine. Is it Charles The Wild Goose oh. Lake. Oh, this made it? Two yes, 2020 it films, baby. Two Let's... 2020 films. Uh, Wild Goose Lake is a really, really stylish and satisfying Chinese noir film. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. You have some really, really great gore. You have this really kind of slow, meticulous buildup of events and anger. You have these impeccable wide shots with so much happening in them. Gorgeous cinematography. Great score. It's great. Check it out. If you're into Chinese noir or want to see a cool noir film, it's essentially what if the fugitive actually fucking slapped. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying it. Don't. No, no, no. Oh, I'm saying it. All right. All right. That's... We're... Next month, we're doing top 10 Harrison Ford films, baby. Ew. <laughs> um, my, my number eight, if you were curious, Ethan, I know you didn't ask me, but my number eight was like I respectfully I asked you. I was too nervous to ask you. I've been wanting to know for so long, and I was afraid you wouldn't tell me if I asked. My number eight is It Man, uh, starring Donnie Yen. This is the only film... No, this is actually not true. This is not my only film with Donnie Yen in it. This is um, my only film on the list. <laughs> um, Just one this, film on this list. This movie takes place during the Japanese invasion of China, um, which then follows Yip Man in his city as he has to defend it against the invading force through his um, martial arts skills. Sounds pretty cliche, but Donnie Yen is able to put a level of, of, uh, I mean, A, the martial arts scenes are fantastic because Donnie Yen's a fantastic, uh, martial artist in real life. Um, and he's able to actually transition that to, like, very well choreographed scenes on screen. 
Um, this is, I, I mean, there's so many now, I actually don't know how many, I think there's like four or five of these now. I've seen four of them, and they progressively get worse, as you'd guess, but this is the one that I actually hold up as like an, a good, like an actually good film, where the other ones I kind of feel like start crumbling into themselves as just... It's just set, set pieces. pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which are cool for that, but then the actual story is just like, oh, oh my god, it's like so dull or like so generic, where this feels like there's like an actual sense of like, like seriousness to it, which I really respected and really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, that's why it's my number, it's my number eight. It's a, it's a really good film. I like, I like martial arts films. Um, okay. Yeah. Hey, Ethan. You're allowed to. Hey, I. Thank you, Ethan. What's your What's your number? Eight. Hey, David. You ever hear about misogyny? What? You hear about You hear about this thing? What's misogyny? Well, um, it's pretty bad. Turns out. Raise the Red Lantern is my uh my my next movie. My number eight. And that's what it's all about, is how fucked up misogyny is. Um, it is, I think, I think the best equivalent I can make to this film is Park Chan-wook's The Handmaiden. Whoa. Except this is not as sexy. Interesting. If that makes sense. Um, yes. It is still undeniably gorgeous. Um, it, it opens with this conversation of a woman kind of deciding who she's going to marry. It's in a, in a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And it is mm-hmm. not an exciting conversation. It is not one where she is enthralled and joyous about the anticipation of who she's going to be married. It is much more somber and full of hmm. disdain, featuring the wonderful line, let me be a concubine, isn't that a woman's fate? And that's how it opens. <laughs> that's a good line. And you kind of see her go to this house as she is the fourth mistress. Um, and things unfold. You get to see the drama and the inner workings, the intricate nature between all of the different mistresses, all the people that work um, at this place. This is kind of in the 1920s China um, as they talk about tradition and what a woman's role is within tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, is not a, it is not necessarily a rebellious film. It is not one where your characters get lifted out and overcome. It is more of they have to learn to live within it, um, as disastrous and dire as that may be. It is brutal and beautiful, and the ending, fucking wild. 1991's Raise the Red Lantern. Great title. Mm-hmm. Really good title. Nine out of ten title. Nine out of ten. Ten out of ten title. Shaolin Soccer holds the ten out of ten title. Uh, no, no, no. After watching the movie, it's a ten out of ten title. Ooh. Ten out of ten title. Mm-hmm. Well, because the Red Lanterns signify um, who's who's getting fucked that night. Oh, that's not the same lantern that I was... No. Oh, also, before you go into your next one, the score in this might be my favorite score out of any of the films. Jesus. The score is so fucking choice. What's your next film? Your number seven. My number seven is my second John Woo film. Oh. I tried watching a lot of John Woo films. Um, obviously John Woo, very large uh, Chinese director. Cock. <laughs> what? Huh? What? Um, unfortunately, I missed out on watching Hard Boiled, which I know a lot of people love. Sorry, didn't have enough time. There's so many l- films I wanted to watch before finalizing this list. I just didn't get around to it. Um, but my number seven, second John Woo film, is The Killer, which is also my second Chow Yun-Fat film. Um, the Killer yeah. follows an assassin on his way out, or at least attempting to be on his way out. Specifically, we are following Chow Yun-Fat's character after an opening scene of action extraordinaire where he accidentally ends up blinding a, uh, a, a singer. Um, and it's, like, fucking shocking. Because, like, there's, like, five seconds where you're like, oh, okay, 
Everything's okay. We're good. We made it through that. And then, like, fucking Plowy, she ends up going blind and getting shot in the fucking eye. And it's like, holy fuck. Very shocked. I'm sorry. I, like, was so shocked by that scene. Um, you may not be as shocked now if you watch it. But again, this came out in 1989. Um, and then we follow him trying to essentially earn enough money to uh, provide a a surgery that would get her her sight back in that eye. Um, throughout this, he runs into uh, Danny Lee's character, who is a detective investigating uh, the fucking body, ma like the massacres that he just leaves. Because like when he starts killing people, there's like fucking fifteen people dead in the room every time. Um, it it you know kind of goes the way that you might expect it to. Um, lots of doves. Oh my god so many doves um <laughs> holy shit <laughs> like at first i was like oh they're the doves that's the whole john woo thing and then it's like fuck dude so many more doves um really tragic ending like the ending to this movie is not what i was expecting i was like fuck that was like intense and sad and like not just not how I picture this going. Um, there's, as far as the John Woo films that I watch, there is a sense of these films being like very low budget, um, but still being taken seriously by everyone involved that is able to propel them into like a level of like seriousness and like very good. Um, but like the budget, it just like, I feel like I've watched some like indie films that probably had a higher budget. Just, something stood out to me as I watched this for the first time. Um, yeah, really good. I really like this one. Um, <laughs> also, it's so weird seeing Chow Yun-Fat's character in this and then seeing him play in A Better Tomorrow, like a character who has, like, like a, like a gimp leg, essentially. Like, not being able to, like, fully walk and, like, being, like, run out of his luck. And we're in this one, he's, like, the main character... And, like, very, like, suave and, like, very collective. It's, like, such a twist on his character, even though he, like, opens up, actually, in A Better Tomorrow. Like, triple that. Ethan, what's your number seven? My. Wait. Number. Are we six? Mm -hmm. What number are we um, on? One, two, three. Where four, on my number five, seven? Six, seven? Ethan, do you have a number seven? I'm um, I actually skipped number seven for this list. Did, did you really? No number seven, um, <laughs> except this one uh, more. I would say more in the thousands. Um, oh wait, no, I'm actually thinking of how many <laughs> dead pigs are floating down the river. In my number wait, seven pick, do you have pigs. a number seven? <laughs> the Kathian film. Dead pigs is my number seven. Okay, I was. Can we just? It's to clear, to, thousands to, of dead to, pigs to, float to, down to, the river to, in, in to, the film. To, to clear the record, number seven on Ethan's list is dead pigs? Yeah. All right. Kathy dead pigs. Uh, this is a film I've been meaning to watch for a while. Uh, Kathy on, as we all know, went on to direct Birds of Prey, um, my favorite DCU film. <laughs> Um, and the kind of vibrant uh, chaos and energy uh, is matched in Dead Pigs. Um, obviously, it's a little different style, right? Um, this one is all about greed and wealth and kind of different forms that that takes um, through different people on the social ladder. Um, it is not as nuanced as something like Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, um, but it is still wildly fun, uh, very refreshing. And one of the freshest voices in Chinese cinema. Hmm. Yeah, I'm saying it. You said it. We yeah, heard the, it. The the end when uh, everything gets tied up with a little bow. Very satisfying. Huh. You don't say. There's so many dead pigs in this movie, David. I, I read the synopsis. There are several. Thousands. Several dead pigs in this film. Here's the thing. It starts as one dead pig. And you're one like, pig, oh, it's one no dead pig. No longer alive. Whew. And then a couple Act more die. Oh, and then it just turns like you just hear the news in the background. They're like thousands of dead pigs have been found in the river, and you're like, "Huh? <laughs> That's a lot of pigs. That's a lot of pigs." 
Are we talking about like full size pigs, or are we talking about like little piglets? I'm talking fat hogs, juicy gunda pigs, big old gundas. This fucking episode. disrespectful to my fucking queen gunda. God damn. Ooh, all right. Is that you got any more? Is that it for dead pigs? It's great. I don't, David. I'm. I want to give us just enough information for people to be interested in checking out these movies. Um, I don't need to talk about all the dubs. Are you attacking my dub talk? Fuck you. Mm, My number six is the movie I went into out of all the films I watched for this list with the highest expectations. Now, you might be thinking, highest expectations? Number six on your list? Did that play a part in it ranking lower? It could have. It's very possible. (laughs) It's Um, likely. This is also probably the biggest... Yes, it did. Yeah, 100%. This is also the biggest name movie on probably either of our lists, and that is Ang Lee's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Also, the third Chow Yun Fat film on this list. That's that's saying something. Wait, why Uh, did I say that? I don't know. (laughs) I have a soundboard. Why did I do it with my voice? Um, This is also starring Michelle Yeoh. And Michelle Yeoh. And I got it. First time that try. And Z Zhang. You think I got that? This story follows a young warrior, um, as as they steal a sword from the famous Master Luma Lu Mubai. Um, that's Chaoyun Fat's character. Um, and. Then the flashback scenes that you see and the uh, the the pursuit to recover said sword. It's it's a pretty wide spanning story that cover covers like probably several years um, in in total totality, um, uh, showing showing the life of this uh, single individual character. I don't want to say too much because there actually is some ambiguity in the beginning. Um, although, I felt like at all points you could kind of guess who, who was what, you know? How was, uh, how was the action? The action was, uh, it kills me. Okay, going into several films on my list that have... You better be walking a, on eggshells, bubby. That have a lot of wireworks. Um, I was not expecting to like it that much because the experience that I've had with wirework action sequences so far... I have not been the biggest fan. Now, the first film I watched on this list to watch during all these Chinese films, uh, I was blown away by the wire work. And I was like, holy shit, I think I like wire work now. So coming into this film with the expectations of this being the superior film, I was less happy about it or blown away by it, but still impressed with it. The tree stuff, uh, I don't know. The tree wire work scenes are a little weird to me there's some cool stuff with it um the all like the running through the cities was really cool anything with wireworks on water fucking 10 out of 10 every time that shit's awesome um yeah i don't we'll talk about the other one on my list which which really blew me away for the wireworks ethan i I don't know what you're doing are you ready for your next film (laughs) Um, so this next film, uh, Jokey <laughs> Ethan leaves the room. Um, oh shit, we're getting serious? Yeah. Oh um, shit. Sorry. This is Hubo's An Elephant Sitting Still. It's oh, this very fuck. monolithic, long form, languishing, somber, uh, feat of storytelling. Um, I've talked about this film multiple times before and it's deep impact, uh, and emotional resonation on myself. Um, this is a tough watch. Um, and the more you learn about the film, the tougher it gets. Uh, the director committed suicide after making the film prior to it actually releasing, um, over stress of them cutting and manipulating and destroying his, his art that he was working on for so long that he put everything in. Um, it is essentially a long form suicide note. As a movie. And I, I don't have any jokes. No goofs. It is a beautiful and heartbreaking film. That I 
I don't know if I'd recommend watching, um, mainly because it is that impactful. But I definitely full heartedly appreciate all of the the pain that went into it, and I, I don't think that is something that can be taken away. David, let's bring the energy back. Give me your number five. We're in the top five. We are rolling in to the top five, specifically rolling into a director's film who, wait a second, I'm saying this up incorrectly. This is the director who really surprised me with his films, okay? That is Johnny Two's Drug War. We're gonna see Johnny Two pop up a few more times on this list, specifically one more time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but I also really quickly wanna call out, I also wanted to watch his film called Mad Detective, which sounds very fascinating. Unfortunately, didn't get to it last night. So, didn't get to watch it. But, got to watch Drug War, which is a really good film, which felt so much to me. This is not a comparison of quality, because I still think the movie I'm comparing it to is of a higher quality film. But, it felt very similar to it, and that is Sicario. Drug War follows a specific uh, drug manufacturer and drug dealer who is caught by a uh, investigating force, Captain Zhang and his team. And then from there, we travel into the inner workings of uh, the Chinese drug trade and trying to track down certain manufacturers, certain producers, certain, wait, that's the same thing, and certain distributors. Uh, <laughs> um, what's so fascinating is Captain Zhang's character who takes on and starts doubling as certain uh, players in the drug trade. So there's a character whose name is Ha Ha, who, as you guessed it, is like very eccentric and laughs all the time. So you see Captain Zhang going from like this very like, like by the book, like detective character. And then you see him like go undercover as this haha character and just like completely shed a skin and like start being somebody else. Um, and there's this very interesting uh, like back and forth between him and the person that they have who's basically double crossing his former comrades, uh, who is Timmy. Um, and it's just like such an interesting uh, like counterbalance to how these two people work and their similarities and how they also work, even though their backgrounds are very different. Um, I was originally sold on this film for its fantastic action sequences, which kind of feels a little false advertisement-y, um, because although the action sequences are good, for some reason I thought I was being sold this film as having tr action sequences of, like, films like The Raid, which is not the case. Uh, it, it, it seems closer to a a more grounded, realistic, like, John Woo, or more, maybe more, more of a modern, uh, John Woo type action sequences, um, but they're good, they're good, they're just not, like, I wouldn't sell this movie on that, um, but yeah, still a very good film. David, let's rewind the tape real quick. Yes? Let's rewind the tape because I think you mentioned something earlier in this podcast. My number nine pick is definitely gonna be the most recent film on either of our lists. Except, well, David, that isn't oh, quite shit. true. What a oh. fucking liar, dude. What a fucking Weasley little liar, dude. Cockroach came out more recently than your film. Eat shit. Oh, 2020's Cockroach is the most recent fuck. film. And, goddamn, is it impactful. Holy shit, David. Cockroach is all about the Hong Kong protests. So one thing about this list is we're also including Hong Kong films as well um, because uh, China's uh, tight iron grip on the nation, um, which should be independent and democratically run. Uh, that's just me, though. Wah, 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 wah. Um, Cockroach explores uh, in a very uh, immediately visceral and intense fashion what it is like for the pro-Hong Kong protesters, their interactions with the police, their internal kind of manifestations of what freedom could look like, 
and what they have to do, what they have to sacrifice in order to get to that, uh, and how difficult that may be to get it. Um, it is a groundbreaking and groundbreaking documentary. What are we baking out there? <laughs> Sorry. Weasley little fucking liar, dude. <laughs> Sorry, continue. It is very intense, very emotional. Um, oh, it's it's a lot, dude. It is so fucking good, though. I cannot recommend this film enough. Cockroach is insanely good. It's like $4 on Vimeo. So, like, go watch it. I will watch it. You can also get it on Alamo on Demand. Oh, Alamo on Demand. Go support those theaters. That are no, well, they're, they're actually probably open right now. Um, this I, is, four. I oh. think this is the most slept on film ever made. More slept on than Lynn and Lucy? Yes. Damn! It's close, though. <laughs> um, Ethan. Hello. Sp- sp- speaking of wireworks, can we do a rewind to when I talk about wireworks? For yeah. My- Crouching tight. Yes, fuck yeah. Um, this next. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Roll back the tape. Experience that I've had with wire work action sequences so far, I have not been the biggest fan. Compose myself. All right. Whew, those are those are really good transition, David. <laughs> you got this. My number four <laughs> is the Jet Li film Hero. I. I need a hero. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I really wasn't expecting too much. I was expecting, like, a large-scale, good action film from this. And what I got was, like, such an interesting, like, thought piece of storytelling. Not, like, storytelling is, like, a medium of, like, through film. But, like, the narrative structure of this film is one individual telling another individual certain stories. And then individual B picking apart the inconsistencies with his own experiences uh, of that person's stories, which I was, like, not expecting. But then inside of all those stories is some of the most... Actually, no, no, no. The the definitive wirework action sequences Ooh, I have man. seen. It's the best ever. It is so good. I mean, you have legends such as Jet Li and Donnie Yen on screen together, wire wirework action sequencing together. You also have Jet Li... Um, and Maggie Chung, Zihi Yang, and Tony... Shaloub. Weird, I know. <laughs> no, Tony Who would have thought that Loon? Tony Shaloub was Loon? in this? I don't know how to say his last name. Tony Loon? Um, but all of these people are so proficient with their um, acrobatics and their swordplay. It is... I think it's Tony Danza. That's how to no, pronounce it. The fuck? No, it's not Tony Danza. It'd be so weird if it was no? Tony Danza. Um, Tony their, Bologna? Their action sequences are Tony so Tony Macaroni. Beautiful. What I also love is seeing the... David's just ignoring me at this point. <laughs> yep, yeah. Trying to a... power through with his review. <laughs> it's it's just so a cool. A valiant effort, but see, uh, in one vain, individual, One individual... Because <laughs> um, David forgets. Pick apart... I got certain a sound pieces board. of the story. Oh no! Unfortunate. Why me? Um, God damn it! Um, the only issue I really have with this is birdie. Nice birdie. Stop. Good birdie. Stop. Eagle. Me watching a John Woo action film. Birdie. Nice birdie. This isn't even a John Woo film anymore. Oh, that's a good bit, actually. Fuck, you should have used that. Uh, my only issue with I this... I did use it, Dave. I just is... used it now. So, this this takes place uh, during the... Uh, oh, you're just uh, going to be quiet and... I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it. So, my only issue... No, it's... it's this. So... My only issue is that this movie takes place during the Shin Dynasty, um, and one thing that, at least the, as the movie portrays it, that they are very proficient in is their archery, their mastery of archery. Um, so there is a lot of sequences of a lot of arrows flying, and um, like one or two individuals uh, defending buildings. 
from like an entire barrage of arrows and theoretically it seems like it could look cool and it just all the archery stuff always looked at least when the arrows were in flight looked a little weird um that's literally my only issue really here otherwise i enjoyed everything here always love... complaining david <laughs> am i fuck ethan are we in the top three well david we're not <laughs> you give me your number four right now wait a yep. second we're not and then I'll give you my number three. Perfect. Perfect. I can do it. Hey, David, I have to say goodbye. What? Why? I'll see you around. And that's how you transition in to Lulu Wang's film, The Farewell. You're going with The Farewell on your list? I didn't yes. include it. <laughs> so now here's, it's controversial. I know it's controversial. But Ethan, was this an American film? It's kind of both, actually, honestly. Um, it is all about going back uh, and visiting mainland China um, to uh, from a uh, Chinese-American perspective. Um, and I think it deserves recognition. For because the record, I would have included the farewell on my list. Although, when I asked Ethan, he judged me heavily for needing to include it. So I buckled the fuck down and I watched enough films to not include it. <laughs> Fucking Ethan. Continue. <laughs> I love China. And he is great. And I don't think there's anything to criticize. Cockroach is no longer on my list because everything happening in Hong Kong is perfectly fine and good. <laughs> Here, give me your number three. Wait, that's all you're saying about the farewell? Give me your number three. My number three comes from a certain director who I know we will be speaking about more in... Ethan's probably um, definitely number one, maybe number three or two, I don't know. Um, and that is Wong Kar Wai. I wanted to watch several more of his films, but since we were restrained by time and I knew that Ethan had already watched them, I decided to watch other films so that we could talk about a bevy of films in this top ten list. Mm -hmm. um, so I only got around to watching Wong Kar Wai's Fallen angels <sighs> boy oh boy was this a this movie made you, made you want to watch more Wong Kai Wai films it huh? is so unique the camera work in this film can only be described as if you were like an invisible ghost following around these characters and like you were like a really nosy ghost too like you really want to get up close and personal and you're just like hey there what are you are you eating some noodles? Hey, oh. hey, David, next next Lunar New Year, do you want to just do Wong Kai Wai films? Fuck yeah, dude. These Lit. films slap, or at least this film slaps. Um, and it is so different. So, like, when I read the synopsis, I was like, oh, this sounds like a very straightforward film about, like, a hitman who has a partner, and uh, there's probably some relationship there, and the hitman is trying to get out of doing his work or not get out of his work but like out of his career straightforward film um there's also a character who um went mute after he ate some expired pineapple or at least that's the story that we're given a lot of this story is also a lot of voiceover and sometimes voiceover feels a little cheap but it felt so natural here i it, it's it's so crazy how perfectly it worked in this type of film. Um, I also expected this character to, like, not show up very frequently. But, like, half the movie was his. I was actually shocked. And his entire thing is he's like, I'm a, like, I, I, uh, I work hard. I show up at other people's businesses um, after they're closed. And I just start working really hard, you know? There's not too many people who want to buy, like, park feet at night. But, you know, I... I, I show up and and I and I do my best to sell him and he like he like run, he like runs into like us like a one character several times and just like forces them to like buy their goods like he like forced a person into a haircut and a shampoo and a shave it's just like so wacky but it's so fucking that. it's so good you would love this film I actually think this would be your number one. I think this landed with me, 
but I think this would land with you, like, tenfold more. It's just so obscure and unique, and you would love it. Also, I think you would absolutely blow... You would lose your mind at the cinematography (laughs) here. I would suck. (laughs) Like, are you saying, Ethan, you are a disappointment and a disgrace. I hate you, and (laughs) you know what? You know what, David? You're talking that kind of smack. You know what I'm going to do, David? I just want you to know. You know what I'm going to do, David? No, 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 no. No, no, no. David, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call the police. I'm going to have them... Uh, exercise some police brutality on you, David. Wait, no, can I please, <laughs> no, I'm not talking please, about cockroach please? again. I'm talking about I... Jackie Chan's 1985 film, Police Story. <laughs> I gotta give you some the three character names really quickly. I've already there's, said that. There's a I've already done the transition. Know, it was smooth like butter, David. It was so smooth like butter. Like butter, David. There's a character's name who's Silky the man smooth. forced the ice cream. Woman like a baby's by, butt. Woman, woman pressed by vegetables. Man forced to have his clothes washed. Those are character names. It's so good. Continue. Jackie Chan's police story has some of the best slapstick action set pieces ever put to film. I'm saying it. Damn. It is so he much fun. You have Jackie Chan holding on to the back of moving vehicles while trying to fight inside of a bus and outside of a bus, all while it's moving. And David, that's just the opening. I saw saw a TikTok where Jake Paul did that. Maybe it was Logan Paul, I forget. Sorry, continue. Fuck. (laughs) Sorry. Continue. I love Police Story. I think it is an absolute blast and a half. A complete banger from start to finish. Jackie Chan at its peak, starting from the bottom, working his way up. He is not somebody that just wins every single fight. He gets the shit beaten out of him over and over and over and over and over and over again having to use creativity and sheer willpower in in order to win these seemingly impossible fights. And he has a blast doing it. Um, The comedy is top-notch in this film, and the action doubly so. It is a perfect blend of action comedy. And also, ACAB. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, though? (laughs) Quick question, just to set the record straight. How does this compare to to Rush Hour? Give me your number, number two. two. My number two. My number two. This was the hardest decision to pick between my number one and my number two. I felt a little bad taste in my mouth having my number one be the film that I like didn't watch for this list specifically. Um, so it just felt weird like that it was sticking over. Um, but this movie, my number two, was the closest battle. It there were. Ah, I'm still kind of deciding. Um, But it's my number two. Um, And that is from the master director, Johnny Two, Election. I'm also in the midst of watching Election Two, which is, I've heard, uh, equally as good as Election One. And if that is the case, then I think Election One and Election Two, (laughs) that sounds weird, um, are like some of the top notch. uh, like gangster specifically triad films um they take a unique look at the underworld uh at a higher level where it's not just like random uh members of a of a criminal organization but rather high up officials and the upper workings of said association um so specifically this follows um, the election process for Hong Kong's triad, um, and the type of, I guess you could say campaigning that the two, uh, members who are up for the position, uh, go about. And it's, it's very interesting. There's also like, um, some very, I'm assuming authentic, um, pieces of it where like some ceremonial objects are required 
for the actual election to take place. And so even after the votes have been cast, uh, it's not actually valid until this one artifact is retrieved from a specific location, brought back to look headquarters, essentially, and passed between the predecessor into the elected uh, leader. And just, like, all of this, like, um, interweaving is, like, so fascinating. And then you do get a little bit, um, I don't want to say that, never mind. Keep that out. Cut that okay, out. I'll cut um, it. Cut it. Hey, cut Heathen, it. can you cut it? Cut it. I can't wait to listen to this and all the cut-its are just left. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. You're a beautiful Rip it and ship it. <laughs> um, I wish I could have finished Election 2. I really like the characters. The characters are very unique too, um, and their their ability to um, be memorable while there is such a large cast of electing members um, is really really great. I like this film a lot. This is a really good film. Ethan, give me your number two. It's another. Well, I guess we'll find out. It's a. It's another what, David? What do you Nothing. think it is? Nothing. This is Anne Huy's 1982 film, Boat People. It is... Oh my god, wait, what? Did you not watch? Uh-huh. You didn't watch. I didn't watch. Express. Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't have time, I'm sorry. No, it's okay, it's okay. That's why the farewell's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, Boat People is a another very intense, brutal look at uh, war. Uh, and the aftermaths of the uh, Vietnam War. Um, it is a, uh, I'll say, a refreshing non-Americanized view of the Vietnam War um, and the impact that lays bare after the Vietnam War. Um, it has some of the most the most shocking war moments I've seen since come and see wow which is one of my all-time favorites um so yeah uh also if we're rating our our films just on how dope the posters are this is the number (laughs) one without any competition the poster is gorgeous um yeah it's it's a fantastic film um george lamb is incredible in it um cz ma is also really good it's yeah it's intense oh oh Ugh. It's a horrifying film. It's very dark as well. Um, full, like, annihilation of self. You know. Well. Casual. Oh, casual. Yep. Like, one of, the, one of um, the characters you meet and you're like, oh, is that the mom? Nope. Just a 14-year-old. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. What's the context of the introduction? Uh, I, don't, listen. I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> uh, um, my number one. This will be the quickest movie I've talked about all day. My God, I feel I feel bad at having this be my number one, but like it's a really fucking good film. Is Infernal Affairs? Mm. Um, this is the um, inspiration that Martin Scorsese had for The Departed, and if anyone knows, Departed is like probably a top five film for me. I love that film. Yeah, um, completely ripped and, off the movie. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, um, and. So obviously a while ago I sought out Infernal Affairs because I thought, wow, another film that um, if it's anything like The Departed, I'll probably end up loving it. And obviously it is extremely similar, like super duper fucking similar. Like, I mean, yeah, (laughs) The Departed basically just rips it off, 100%. Um, But Infernal Affairs is also a fantastic film. Check it out. Seek it out. Watch it. Experience it. There are some minor changes in some minor... Um, important um, moments of the story that, depending on who you are, I've heard people like it more here, and I've heard people like it more in The Departed. It really depends on you, so, you know, do what you gotta do and watch it, right? Ethan, let's hear about that, uh, that film. David. That you, yes, Ethan. I'm kind of getting in the mood, you know? Like, I don't want to be horny on Maine, but, like... What? David, I'm... I'm in the mood for love, David. 
Oh. Are you... Are you feeling what I'm feeling? Uh, I don't think so. In the Mood, in the mood for Love uh, was released oh. in the year 2000. Uh, it is, without a doubt, the greatest Chinese film of all time. Uh, I think that I won't face a lot of argument from that. Um, Wang Karwai is an insanely impressive filmmaker, um, and I cannot wait to delve more and more into um, his works. This one is noted by many as his all-time great and one of the all-time great movies, period. Not even just Chinese, not even just Wang Kawai, not even just romance. It is one of the greatest movies of all time. And I completely agree. <laughs> it is so, so good. Um, if if this, Even if the movie didn't have any subtitles on for me, I would still adore it. Just the tone of both the music and the cinematography and the costuming and just the look in each other's eyes is immaculate and impeccable. It is so ravishing and reeled back. It is a lot more restrained than one would think of a movie called In the Mood for Love. It is about the kind of quiet glances and little moments of are we feeling the same thing? Should we be doing this? You have moments told out of order. This kind of approach to non-linear storytelling of non-linear love. It's so impressive and refreshing despite being over 20 years old at this point. I thoroughly, thoroughly love it. There are certain moments where it's almost like we did in the podcast where we reround and, you know, reassessed what we did. <laughs> this does that in a way of, well, somebody had to be the first one to say it. And playing out scenes in separate ways. It's so good. It's so good. In the mood for love. That is our top 10 Chinese films to celebrate. Lunar New Year. That's it. The year of the ox. Now, before David. we leave... Oh. <laughs> before we leave you know that what? main... Oh, ooh. Fucking A. I, I'll move to the left, you move to the right. And then we'll walk past each other. Okay. Before... Oh, yep, yep, yep. Before okay. <laughs> we leave this main segment, we want to leave you with one fun and uplifting enjoyous and enjoyable film to watch yes, yes. as you roll in that new year. <laughs> now, that was the best of Chinese cinema, but obviously not all of that is is fun or lighthearted. There's a lot of really heavy films within that list. So we wanted to, you know, pick one that's a lighthearted and fun watch, specifically something that you can watch for Lunar New Year to help celebrate and, and ring in the holiday for it. So we're going to pick our, our top recommended film to watch during Lunar New Year. Some might be set during Lunar New Year, uh, or just could be just a fun, lighthearted, uh, joyous celebration. David. Yep. What do you hey. got? I got the immensely fun and enjoyable 2018 feature film, Crazy Rich Asians. It's... Huh? It's a really fun and easy watch. It's happy. It's funny. It's lovely. It's got Henry Golden. Constance Wu. Aquafina, who I love. And a whole list of other fantastic actors. Check it out. Watch it. Enjoy it. Laugh at it. Love it. Be it. Marry it. Kiss it. Smooch it. Hug it. Touch it. Okay. Weird. It went further than I thought it would. <laughs> it can go a lot further. David, I have the uh, 2010 Chinese film Lost on Journey. It is essentially note by note, act by act, planes, trains, and automobiles, but in China. <laughs> and it's still a lot of fun. Um, would I say that it's one of the best films I've ever seen? No, it's not really my cup of tea, but it is fun. And if you're looking for something that is something that you can watch with the whole family, 
that is lighthearted enough while still having some serious heart-touching moments uh, and some fun little comedy back and forth between his two main leads, then Lost on Journey is the film I recommend for you. And that's all we had to say on Lunar New Year. That's it. I that's it. hope everyone has a great, fantastic Lunar New Year. Yeah. David. You know what time it is? It's been a while since we've done a regular episode. What time is it? It's time for everyone's favorite segment. <gasps> Ethan, you gotta sing a song. It was a time for fixing pitch. We fix a movie that was shit. And then we pitch a new IP that you would want to see in theaters. Or maybe on the TV. It is time for fixing pitch. It is the fix and the pitch and the pitch and the fix and you watch it. The new properties. Welcome to the fix and pitch, the ever-present segment with the ever-changing theme song. This week, my rendition of Spanish Flea. Apparently, <laughs> David, I got a fix for you, and I got a really quick fix on the topic of China. Well, I'm not fixing China. Now hold on, <laughs> I could have introduced that better. I'm fixing Monster Hunter, the uh, 2021 oh, release, 2020, if you were uh, in China. Um, it is a very, very recent one. And it sucked bad. It's really bad. It's just, dude, it sucks. It's Paul W.S. Anderson, the worst Paul Anderson in film. Um, <laughs> of course, Paul Thomas Anderson being the best. And my fix is not to have Paul Thomas Anderson do it, because I think that would be weird. No, my, my fix is a very simple. Rework the entire script from start to finish. Uh, and uh, to do that, you're going to have a different writer and director. And that is the incomparable Guillermo del Toro. Uh, most notably due to his work on Hellboy and obviously Pacific Rim. I think he'd be a perfect uh, uh, pick for this. And I think that would fix it. And that's Are the whole thing. All the cast? All the cast staying the same. Uh, like, nope. Great. Well, oh, Ron okay. Perlman will still be there. But we'll change out some of the cast because it's going to be a reworking. And I don't know what it's going to look like because I'm not the one making it. <laughs> right. Because I felt it. I don't want it to become a pitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, that's true. You're fixing, not pitching. My pitch. True. <laughs> my pitch. That's the yes, fastest your pitch. Uh, different than Even, my pitch. I'm pitching uniquely this time a sequel. To a film I believe we both loved, at least enjoyed. I loved. And I hope one day... Shiva Baby 2? <laughs> it's the second Shiva. <laughs> <laughs> the Shiva no. sequel. This is from... Sequel Baby. A little further ago, 2018 specifically. And I believe this was an honorable mention. On my list that year? Not 100% sure if it's actually made the list, but I don't think it did. I am doing a sequel to Game Night. Oh. Now, instead of... Obviously, we're getting the whole crew back together, as they do, for another Game Night. But this time, when Kyle Chandler comes to town, we're not going to be playing... I don't actually remember what they were playing in the first one. But we're not playing whatever they were playing that time around. This time, he recently picked up the immensely popular, um, like, mail in game. I think you can just pick it up in stores now. Uh, the one where you, like, look at all the clues and, like, catch a killer. Mm. Right? Mm. But, obviously, game night being the game that game night is, all of the clues that we're going through are actually real clues to a murder that they're trying to solve. And it's going to play on a lot of the tropes. Again, obviously one of the tropes that we have to have is Billy Magnuson has a new girlfriend, because I'm pretty sure that was the joke in the first one. Haven't seen it. I'm not sure if it was Billy Magnuson. I don't think it was Lamorne Morris. I'm pretty sure it was Billy Magnuson's character, who, like, the joke was like, what's her name again? Um, and they keep messing up the name because they think it was, like, the previous girlfriend that, that or date that he brought to the party. So, we're, uh, unfortunately, Sharon Horgan, who played Sarah, she was great. We're going to have to recast her with somebody else. Oh. Not even recast. We're just getting rid of the character. Um, yeah. And I'm kind of tempted to have the actual killer this time be Jesse Plemons. 
<laughs> and the reason for him he actually being snapped. the character is because he just wanted to be involved with the game this time around. And oh. I, <laughs> I know it's kind of sad, but it's also kind of, I could see it being pretty funny. And yeah, that's basically it. Obviously, I think it'd be great. I think it'd be, I just want to see this movie again. I loved Game Night. It was like such a, such a surprise of like amazing humor and like such like smart wit of like putting the game night up on its head and like flipping standard things into non-standard things and the dog joke. Oh my god, the fucking dog joke. The dog, dirty. The dog blood. joke, dirty dog. <laughs> dirty dog. Um yeah, what do you think? You hate it? I think it's a great pick. I would love to see a sequel to that. Hopefully it doesn't tank in quality like some sequels do for modern American comedies that surprise and actually delight to a degree. Yep. Um, but I think I think it'll be good. I think it'll be fun. David, it's the end of our episode. And it's the end of our episode. We... We've been on. <sighs> oh, what an emotional thrill ride it has been between the two of us. But as we celebrate right now. Lunar New Year. Oh, okay. I hope you had an absolute blast of a time with us here today on FeatureCast, your favorite film podcast. Pl- plug some stuff. Plug some stuff. Make plug sure to stuff. plug like we got some stuff. Maybe like Check maybe plug like the leaving a review. Oh, reviews. Yep. You can recommend us to your friends. We got a YouTube channel with snippets, reviews. And all of our first impressions for each month. They're no longer in this. You might have gotten in the beginning of the episode and been like, what the fuck are those first impressions? <laughs> They're on YouTube now as reviews. And you can watch them. They're great. We, we drop how a new you, one how you like daily. This? Is it bumping? There's a fucking jam right here. I'm about to download this and just go drive. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do, we do first impressions, movie reviews over on the YouTube channel daily. One a day. Maybe even more. Fuck, right now we're dropping two a day. Yeah. That's a lot. We are just fucking plopping them out. Like, this jam is... Yeah. Um, that's it. That's all we got. Ooh, that's beautiful. Can we just, like, sit with this for a little bit? You want to just sit in this energy? Yeah, this is really good. Just vibing with it. I mean, this doesn't actually get released on YouTube, so we can't get copyright strike sh- 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 stricken. Nope, the Shru- copyright shrock? can't touch you unless you're on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't do shit on, on a Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it means? I don't know. Tell me. Do you know? Do you have the lyrics? Snowflakes falling and the north wind howling. Huh? That's, is that true? Or are you just making that up? That's, I, I that's what tell. it means. Damn. Nice. Pretty cool, that, right? It's a fucking jam. Hey, the episode ended. Uh-oh. Are we done? Oh, no, the episode's ending. Goodbye. Bye.